satisfaction. Satisfaction? Satis- satisfaction. Holy shit. That's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this needs to be cut. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Unbreakable. I really was wondering where you're going to do it like Kimmy Schmidt. This movie is probably one of my favorite thrillers. It's my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie. And it's maybe my favorite twist in a movie ever. Um, I know a lot of people don't feel that way about all those. Probably most people say The Sixth Sense is the answer to that, like all three of those, Um, or at least the M. Night and like the twist. But I one thing I noticed watching the movie this time is how great a movie it is without the twist. Yeah. Right. Like if it just ends and instead of being spoiler alert, if it that um, Samuel Jackson is the evil mastermind and instead he's like, all right, now it begins. And he's like his mentor. I still think it's a great movie because of the scene before that, like in the house. Um, and just yeah. like the, de- the development of Bruce Willis. So it's like, what makes this great is, and the sixth sense has this too, where you can rewatch the sixth sense. And it's just a really good movie, but this movie doesn't depend on you not knowing or knowing what happens in the end, because I just think it's a really well done movie. And like the buildup of the characters is, is just great. The only scene that I've seen from this film is the house scene at the end where he's thrown off the, uh, the second, floor balcony into the pool right so a lot of context i have for that now um i i like it's i have my problems with this movie i really do like this movie i do have issues and and i think they're just more more logical issues i guess you would say than anything not saying like anything bad about the acting or the plot or anything like that but um but one of my biggest things is that I saw <laughs> that twist coming from like a mile away for me, because as soon as you learn that there's like, I think it was like quarter third of the way into the movie, you learn all these other catastrophes happening. I was like, and, and he's been on the search for, and he's obsessed with heroes and stuff. Like, I was like that motherfucker did those things and then it was just confirmed for me at the end but i think whether it's obvious or not for whoever's watching it more to your point is that i i think it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you see it coming if it happens if it's true if it's not true i think just the whole buildup is a very good hero superhero origin story with uh without like a comic books comic book adaptation underneath it yeah and i also think too like one even if you i thought i think you did tell me before this that you knew about the movie right but even if you didn't know if someone didn't specifically say like oh unbreakable this is what happens like the fact that this movie's been out for so many years you may have like heard a tidbit here or there or just the the idea of like you know, we're older now and you and I have seen a ton of movies with twists, you know, who M night Shyamalan is. So it's like, you know, there's going to be a twist. Like you're on the lookout for it. Also, do you think Kevin Feige watched this movie and was like, you know, 
Samuel Jackson has to bring the Avengers together. <laughs> Probably. Well, it's also he like uh, Samuel Jackson really loves the color purple because he's like, I need my lightsaber to be purple. And then my whole aesthetic is going to be purple. Uh, he also chose the cane. He like wanted the cane to be made out of glass. And M. Night's like, it's a fucking good idea, Samuel Jackson. I like it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I I did not see this coming the first time I saw it. And it just like the last even knowing each time now about the last scene, I think Samuel Jackson's speech him like, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail, but like sticking out the hand and saying we should shake hands now. All of that shit, I think, works each time. We're just like, oh, it's so it's so cool. Even if you know it's coming, I think the reveal is done well. I think it works more so because uh samuel L. jackson's character knows that he's gonna know and it's almost like this test of uh i guess he says it at the end is his friendship right it's almost a test of alliances being like you're about to know this about me and then it's gonna really be like are we gonna be like team on the same team or are we going to be adversaries in this in this like world building sort of thing? Um, I, I say I have a lot to say about this film. So why not? Why uh, don't we just start from the beginning? Yeah, in general, that's what we do. So uh, it opens up with um, Elijah, who's played by Samuel Jackson, his birth. He doesn't play the baby. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. And this scene, I just love like the doctor's reactions, just like kind of like trying to remain calm, but just like, did did one of you white bitches drop this baby? Like, what? Why is all of these? Why is all of the arms and legs of this baby broken? And they're all like incredulous, like, what? No, no. Why would you ask me that question? And then he's just like, yeah, both arms and legs of the baby are broken, and. Like the way he explains it later too, when he's like, I have like one, like what is it? It's the version one or type one or whatever. And he's like, it goes all the way to four. And he's yeah. like, fours don't make it that long. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, that, the, that opening, the doctor's demeanor and how like, I don't know, he, that guy does a really great job with like a very small scene. Um, but then leading into the Bruce Willis scene on the train, I love like, there's a lot of showy camera work in that scene and in the whole movie. And I really like, like that part of it. Um, because the, that first scene on the train is from this perspective of a little kid who keeps like playing almost like a peekaboo game with Bruce Willis and this woman and like watching what's going on and like, Oh, these two adults are doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really good. I actually like, you said it was showy, but I actually thought it was like a really simple camera movement. Uh, and then it's like the rest of the movie was pretty showy and, and some angles and camera movements. But this was just like a real back and forth, like you say, pan um, from Bruce Willis to the lady. Um, but it's was, doing it in between the armholes of the train. Like, no, 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 I got it. No, I, th I, I thought it was cool, but but it was simple. It was just, you know, it, it wasn't showing you all these angles of Bruce Willis or this lady. And it wasn't like now the camera's behind them and now the camera's to the left of them. It was just like this, this thing where you understood and just this pan. And uh, I thought it was cool. And I was like, how is this still interesting after like seven minutes? But it is, you know? 
right? And there's also, I've probably seen this movie like five or six times before this. And I just now picked up on something and I don't know if you did. Um, so he starts talking to her about like sports and stuff and he's, he's hitting on her. Um, and then he, you know, he does the line about like, oh, I want to be a synchronized swimmer, but I'm afraid of water. Do you think that's a problem? Which is obviously like pretty cool little like Easter egg. And then she's like, do you like football? And he's like, not really. Um, but then she goes into this detail about how she's coming to look at, it's either a linebacker or a DN. It's a cornerbacker. Cornerbacker. Corner okay. Yeah. Wow. Friday Night Lights changed you. <laughs> well, anyway, that cornerback is the big guy in the park with all the kids later. I know. I didn't, I've never caught that. No? Never. And I, I do like this. It's fairly obvious. So it's, I probably just wasn't paying attention. Or maybe I caught it and it's been a while and I forgot that I knew it. But when he's like, yeah, he runs a 4-3-40 and Bruce Willis is like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, M. Night relies, I feel like, a lot on his films. First of all, the guy obsessed with water. You got signs. You got this movie. You got Lady in the Water. Um, pretty sure one of the ghosts in Sixth Sense drowned. So they're soaking wet. So, oh, M. Night in water. Old takes place on a beach. Yeah, it's true. Huh. Uh, the other commonality in his films are just sheer coincidences. Um, especially like first one comes to my mind is signs. That whole movie is built on coincidence. Um, by the way, as far as like favorite M. Night Shyamalan's, signs is mine. I've never seen all of signs. I've seen the end of it. I've never seen all of Six Sense. Have you seen the end of it? I know what happened. I know the twist. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, what I also love about the end of this scene too, is it just kind of like the train starts wobbling people are like what the fuck's going on, but it doesn't actually show you, which is maybe a way to save money, but this movie costs like 75 million from what I read. So it's like fun fact. That's how much the new Morbius movie cost. That's great. That sounds great. Will it, uh, will it make that back? Probably. <laughs> oh, it definitely will make it back. It just, yeah, and doesn't make it a good movie. Um, so, okay, let, let, let's think here. We don't see the train wreck, and I am sure that it is a way to save money. And even if they did want to do like a CGI train crash, it's not going to be good for the year 2000. I like, you know, you just see the aftermath. And then a little bit later, you see like a flashback of him like crawling out of the rubble. I thought that was a flashback of him crawling out of the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. But he's in like the the accident uh, yeah, went... warehouse of the train. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next scene with the doctor, he just wakes up is so good. And one thing I, I noticed either again or for the first time is the the patient in the foreground that is the other only survivor up to that point you can see a blood splot like spreading on him and then like all like the doctors are not really either they're not paying attention to it or they just know they can't save this person at this point but i love the doctor coming up and asking him questions and he's just like what the fuck is going on he's like well there's two reasons i'm looking at you like this he's like because in a few minutes you're going to be the only survivor 
and you don't have a fucking scratch on you and that's crazy yeah like that that scene is so well done so well set up and it's like that was like in the trailer too like for this movie and it's just like it's one of those just really great like setup scenes and kind of moments in this I wouldn't have noticed the blood pool spreading, um, but Taylor was watching this with me and she goes, oh God. And I'm like, what? And then that's what made me notice it. Um, But yeah. And then, oh man, I think the depressing part of that scene is when he's walking out and it's like all these family members who are there to mourn the loss of their loved ones. And he's the only survivor. Right. And then his son comes up and hugs him and the wife's there too. And I gotta say, this is one of like the weirdest relationships in a movie I've seen as far as like a husband and wife, like the way it's portrayed. Cause I know they're like estranged, kind of, they're estranged, separated, what have you, but just like the way they communicate with each other, I thought it was like a super interesting part of the movie. Um, and the kid even like comes up and makes them hold hands and then they immediately take them apart. Do you know that this is the third movie we have done with this kid in it? Really? He is Lucius in Gladiator. And he is the mute kid in Mystic River. Okay. Well, obviously I can, I can see the mute kid in Mystic River comparing to this role, but... Yeah, I guess, but, but when was Gladiator? Same year as this, 2000. He looks exactly the same as the kid from Gladiator because he is the kid from Gladiator. He is also in the uh, TV show Animal Kingdom. <laughs> it's all this inner working. Web. We're going to get to a point where no matter what, and I've already kind of thought about this, no matter what movie we do, there's going to be some sort of crossover uh, between like another movie we've done what's funny is i haven't i don't there's probably some super famous actor who we've done zero movies for like maybe denzel and we've done three of this kid's movies <laughs> yeah well we're, we're saving denzel we're it's saving. all because you've fucking seen inside man already that we can't have done one of his <sighs> yeah maybe we'll just bring on a guest who hasn't seen inside man and <laughs> So we next get Bruce Willis. He goes to the memorial, which is like, I don't know that I'd show up to that. That's like, that'd probably stay home. Take a seat in the way back. Yeah, yeah. Where I mean, you're wearing a hoodie for uh, like a hooded poncho for most of the movie. Maybe just, you know, a hat or something. But he gets a letter on his car. And I, I, I noticed this too, looking for details. Like the letter is like so villainish, right? Like it's white letter and then you open it up. It's got this nice like blue pattern in it, right? It says limited edition on the outside, which is the name of like um, Samuel Jackson's shop. But I just thought it, it was very stylish, um, which is just, I think, I think the character is set up perfectly for his role, um, but in kind of subtle ways, right? Maybe more subtle in 2000 than now. Um, but it just simply says, how many sick days have you taken? Yeah. And then he goes into his boss and he's like, hey, I, I'm just curious, how many sick days have I taken? And when his boss comes back to him, he's like, that accident knocked something loose. Did you get smart or something? He's like, I get your point. It's like, I'll give you a $40 raise, which $40 a week. I was like, that is 
not great. Was it a week? I thought it was like 40 an hour. I was like, 40 an hour is awesome. <laughs> no, it was 40 a week, which is like 160 a month. So yeah, that's not not the best. Well, now he's moonlighting as a superhero. So yeah, I don't know if the pay is great on that. <laughs> uh so okay, where are we? Well, he could just steal all the money from that family. I mean, both the parents died at the end. It's just the kids. What are the kids gonna do with all that money? Well, I don't know. I mean, how much money did they have? Because it was a pretty nice house, but also they couldn't afford like a real pool cover. They just had this cover where they put weights on all the side of it to keep it up. Like a heavy rain, that's not gonna be great, you know? <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> this, the end of the movie family uh monetary status is not where i thought our conversation was gonna go but the uh the whole setup where he's the secure he's a security guard at a sports stadium it you know samuel jackson says oh you know it's not an accident that you chose protection as an occupation and I didn't take it that way at all. I took it because he was trying to be kind of close to football without being close to football. Uh, yeah. I, and I also, I love the shot of him in silhouette in the poncho watching football. It's probably one of the most famous shots of this movie. I was yeah. thinking if we did framed for this movie and it showed that immediately, you know what this <laughs> film is. That'd be like four or five, maybe six. <laughs> um, and uh, But now we transition to Elijah and he's like a little boy. And I love the part where he mumbles underneath his breath because he, he's kind of mumbling the whole time. He's like, they call me Mr. Glass. The kids at school, they make fun of me. And it's like, I, I think it's cool that they mumble it then. And then Samuel Jackson kind of says it like sort of in the middle of the movie or a little later. And then like the way he says it at the end, like kind of hiding it a little bit in the beginning and then kind of bringing it out more and more. Um, it's like, we get it, dude. That's your villain name. Okay, Jesus. Spoiler alert. So he doesn't want to go outside. His mom buys him a comic book and she's like, and he's like, it's going to get stolen. I was like, yeah, it's going to fucking get stolen. You better get down there. Like, I'm surprised one of those kids hasn't taken it yet. Like, how, I, like I'm surprised the mom was able to put it down and like walk across the street and get back upstairs before it was taken. Why did she do that that way anyways? To get him to leave the house. I mean, it's more of just a showy movie thing, right? Because she's probably, you know, from then on, she's probably like, if you go outside, when you get back, I'll hand you one. We don't have to do this every time. I don't have to wrap it. Yeah. Um, and then it goes to shows him being older. And I love the very particular way that Samuel Jackson speaks in this movie. Like sort of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Ozymandias in The Watchmen. Okay. Just this like intellectual air about the way he talks, very particular with every word the way he speaks. Um, I thought like that was a really cool aspect. It just seemed superhero, like villainish, right? Criminal mastermind. -y. And I love the guys like, all right, I'll buy it. My four-year-old's going to love this. And he's like, come again, sir. <laughs> I love his, uh, no, 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 no. Well, and, he, and also in that too is hidden in that is like the imagery he talks about, like the difference between heroes and villains about how the the features on the villains notice how the head is much bigger and samuel jackson has this huge like misshapen like kind of afro thing that's like it's 
iconic right like you can actually right. one, of, one of my friends i like messed up his hair and made it look like that and i have a picture of it it looks exactly like mr glass but it like it gives you this definite shape it's bigger than like normal whereas bruce willis has like his shaved head in this so right. i think it's it's like everything just kind of adds up would Maybe you it say was obvious well yeah <laughs> would you say samuel jackson has bigger eyes than bruce willis i don't know i didn't look maybe i think he would i think he would maybe they went in and computer enhanced them he has like the uh disney eyes like the anita battle angel eyes <laughs> uh, yeah that's a good one topical um so then bruce willis shows up to the shop and uh and he's like telling him about himself which is pretty odd that he's like oh i guess i guess because bruce willis is like as he said, he's like, he's very sad, but his note is like, oh, it's like kind of giving me hope. Like someone's going to explain something to me. Or I don't know. He just, he has, he doesn't have the greatest life right now. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't know that I've taken any sick days. And he's like, well, I'm going to remain skeptical. And he's like, founds out he'd been in a college car accident and he got hurt. And he's like, all right, well, that's hole number two, you know? Right. So um, I like the scene is good. Like the start of their like, friendship kind of working well a little bit of friendship but more just him working through like if he's gonna believe this guy it's kind of a weird power that bruce willis is given in this um and here, here's kind of my problem with the movie is that glass's whole reasoning thinking that his his bones are are like bird bones right they're like really fragile and He's had like 52 breaks and he thinks to himself, he's like, he's on one end of the spectrum where he's easily broken and sick. So there has to be someone on the other end of the spectrum who has like, I don't know, I guess really dense bones, but it's a weird way of putting it. When you think of then add the power that Bruce Willis has of touching people and getting like a like a premonition about them i and but glass doesn't really have that like extra power unless you count his intelligence it would be cool though since he's like wheelchair bound if you gave him some sort of like uh telepathy hmm? yeah i mean i think just the the difference in like, I am so physically limited. So there has to be someone who's physically strong. He's like, it makes him think that like superheroes basically as a concept, not as exaggerated can be real. And then because of, he then finds someone like that, who he's now like getting convinced more and more is that person. Um, he's like, well, other things that happen to superheroes is sometimes they have a power and he notices this whole gun thing that we're about to talk about. And, you know, I don't think it necessarily has to, they have to line up and be exact opposites, but I, I think, you know, I think the movie does a good job of explaining the comic book logic. I don't know if you have any faults with those as someone who collects. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, I, I think it's a little, it's a weird movie. If you think of, especially we didn't talk about the very, very opening of this film where you have these like um, text telling you how many comic books are sold every year, you know, and the breakdown of 
of that and whatnot. Um, but what's odd about it is like, take away the, the weird permission thing of Bruce Willis. He has super strength and, and vulnerability, but not, he's not, or I guess we're hinted at that he's not impossible to kill. Um, and maybe if he's like shot point blank in the head with a bullet, you know, that'll, that'll end his life. Um, we're not given that, but we're strongly hinted towards that. Um, but then the least, and I'm jumping ahead here, but the thing I did not like was like that phone call between glass and, and, uh, Bruce was, he's like, yeah, you're strong and I'm weak and illnesses don't affect you the way affect me, but our weakness, we can both drown. (laughs) I'm like, but anyone can drown. Yeah. And I think what they're saying is they both are more affected by water, similar to the, the aliens in science. Um, That's like what they're, what he's talking about is that if they drink water too fast, they'll choke that doesn't happen to normal people right if they if water gets in their lungs it will like kill them like they're just so much more susceptible to normal people is the point he's making well i guess why okay so i guess what they're saying and i'm just not trying to be difficult i'm just trying to understand this kind of figuring out along the way because he's the opposite of glass and glass's bones are so fragile and light I guess we are to believe that his bones are very heavy and dense. That's why he was found at like the bottom of the pool, right? Because he just sank is what I took it as. Um, But then I guess on the other hand, Glass, because he's so sickly and fragile that he would also drown i guess right that's what i'm supposed to believe i think you're trying to like say that the cause is because of that i'm what they're saying is it it would be if and this doesn't work but he's saying you know water is your kryptonite it would be as if for some reason kryptonite also really affected lex luther that's the point it isn't there isn't some cause behind it it's just saying the connection between a superhero and his villain is sometimes the fact that they both share the same kryptonite, the same weakness. So, yeah, I mean, but the the thing is like Samuel Jackson has a ton of weaknesses in this movie, but water affects him in a way that it really shouldn't, that is not connected to his bone issue. It just affects him and it also affects Bruce Willis. That's the point. Got it. Got it. Um, and so just to end the, uh, the scene with Bruce Willis and him, he starts talking about the disasters and he's like, I've been waiting for the news of a sole survivor, um, which, yeah, this probably hints at what, what happened, but I think you could, could also not see it coming. Um, and he's like, but because of me, I think there could be someone else on the spectrum. And I love Bruce Willis is like, Joe, do not drink any more of that water. Go pour it out. We're leaving. <laughs> And he's uh, like, you're, yeah. you're the type of guy that asks for, you know, that tells me you can help me and then just asks for a credit card. 
I actually, I, I, I like that like banter because later on when he comes to the stadium to visit him, you know, he tells him something is like, and now I'll have your credit card number. That was a joke. Um, next we have just a real quick, we're about to get to that stadium thing, but a, uh, I was reading this cause I noticed it when I, I noticed it on my own and then I didn't realize that it is a, like a thing but it's called the Chekhov's gun. And in this instance, it's actually a gun, which is basically the, the idea that if you show something in a, in a movie, it should be important. And sometimes you'll show something in a movie for no reason, right? right. And so Bruce Willis goes home, pulls the gun out of his closet, looks at it, wraps it back up and sticks it back up there. And you're like, what the fuck? You, what was that? And I mean, it was because he was trying to get to these files because he was like reminiscing about what happened from his football days and the crash and all that. But still, it's just like, oh, there's a gun here. That may be important later on. Uh, it would have been also funny to see his trophy that the son mentions he finds the bullet in, the bullets in, but we don't. We just assume that there's a trophy filled yeah. with bullets. So, yeah. And then the wife comes up to, you know, comes up to him and she's like, you know, have you been with anyone? She's like, I won't carry the way. And he's like, no and then she starts breaking down crying like kind of like happy yeah. it's like she would have she would have cared either way i took i took that as um i mean honest obviously i understood the meaning behind her crying but at first when she started crying i was like oh is it because she cheated on him and she has that guilt now but nah it was she was just happy that i guess i guess in her eyes there's just a way to save their marriage uh, yeah, I mean, really, she, she's, I think she was more affected by the crash than he was, because she's like, the fact that he survived should mean something, and maybe we should give this another chance. And it also could just be, you know, he's like, I've most days have woken up sad, I woke up happy. And so she's kind of noticing that change, too, you know, it could be a, a ton of those things. Um, I don't know if she cheated on him or not. I don't really know. They don't really explain why they broke up in the first place, or, you know, began their their estrangement mm -hmm. um so yeah as you said glass goes to calm glass glass goes to the stadium um he's like you know it's interesting that you chose security and i like the the build-up of kind of showing bruce willis's ability in this yeah um you know first he kind of bumps into the guy and the way he kind of looks back at him you don't really know what's going on then he's like oh I just have a sense that he, that this guy has a gun. And if he does, he's going to step out of line and it doesn't happen at first. And the guy, I like the way the guy coughs to step out of line. He's like, Oh, oh gotta go, gotta go. Um, yeah. And then he's like, well, what, you know, what kind of gun did he have? Or how did you know he had a gun? He's like, well, I, I kind of pictured it. He's like, well, you know, it could have been just something. He's like, well, what'd you see? He's like a silver gun, black grip. And it, it is very fortuitous that when Samuel Jackson leaves, he just sees this guy. But I do love the scene of him following him. First of all, like screaming at the guy, like, please stop. I want to talk to you. And the guy just like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Uh, I saw you. I saw you at the stadium with the security guard. Oh, you think that's why he was trying to like get away from from him? I thought he was just like kind of a guilty dude. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I was just. I was just talking out of my ass, honestly. This this old man falls down the steps a mere five feet away from you, and you look back and then quickly jump over the subway grate to like catch your train. 
I mean, if you're the type of dude that brings a gun into a stadium, you're probably not the type of dude that helps a guy who's falling down the stairs. You probably keep it moving with your day. There um, is like a really cool concept with this movie. No doubt about that. But there are some parts that I, I feel are very contained, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It was just this, it felt um, like some parts felt very anticlimactic with this concept of superheroes and powers um, and glass falling down the staircase seemed like one of them, like, okay, this is how he becomes completely um, quadriplegic, quadriplegic. There we go. I said it. Um, Even if it's not correct as to what happened. For what? You didn't become a quadriplegic. You just had to, he had a broken leg. He had to sit in a wheelchair for a couple of months. Yeah, but for the rest of the movie, he was he was in the wheelchair. I'm just I don't know. This just seemed like he went a little too fast down the stairs. Uh, I, okay, you know, there's just some. He has that... a disease, Alon. I'm sorry. Do you want me to be sympathetic to the villain murderer? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, and I do like before he goes to find the guy, he actually says to him, he's like, have you tried to develop this? And Bruce was like, what the fuck are you talking, develop what? It's like, I just had a feeling, you know, but he knows it's, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson knows it's something more. Um, and then this leads to the football scene, which I talked about earlier. I love the scene where he's like, I'm going to go work out. And he's like, okay, I'll help you. And he's like, Hey guys, I'm going to work out with my dad. And no one looks at him. No one gives a shit. Like, like, okay, like whatever. Uh, but him working out with him and he's like, how much did you put on? He's like 250. That's, I can't lift that much. That's most I've ever lifted. He's like, all right, well, I'll, no, don't worry. I'll, I'll take some off. <laughs> he does it again. He's like, how much did you take off? He's like, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I lied. He's like, you added? Is it, yeah, it was. A, it's a great scene. It's an awesome scene, especially where it's like the son's like more, and he's like more. Well, no, he says he says like the way he says it's just like okay, like he's intrigued too. I think Bruce Willis. Part of the reason we did this movie that we haven't talked about is because it's Bruce Willis movie, and you know his like the information that came out about him, um, and then we slightly made fun of all the movies he did in 2021 but his like the subtlety of his acting in this movie is so great and i want to there's like a scene at the end that i think is really great too and just like the he's a very like understated character in this Mm -hmm. um purposely so because uh glass is sort of larger than life and they're kind of opposites is like a really great performance and yeah the way the the son's like can we do more and he's like okay yeah and then every time you go back from the sun the sun is like farther away from his dad right i also we didn't talk about too when when glass falls down the stairs he's in agony and then he sees the gun flap underneath the guy the guy's jacket flaps and he sees the gun that bruce willis saw in his head and he's like smiling and happy about it even though he's broken all of his extremities right and this leads to him getting the uh, the wife, uh, Robin Wright, as his physical therapist, which we didn't, I don't think we knew she was a physical therapist up to this point. We did not. And if there was some sort of hint about it earlier, I completely missed it. 
It's also funny that a physical therapist would have a problem with someone playing a sport. Like what you do is normally help people. Like a lot of physical therapists work with people who have injuries from sports. I think, but she explains that, right? Because I she think does. what she was saying is that she doesn't want that to be part of her life. Well, she doesn't like violence. She doesn't explain it as because of her job, but she's like, I don't like it's it's a very violent sport inherently and i don't like violence and i don't want violence in my life she does mention it 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 is because of her job because she does say um she sees football as the opposite of what she does for a living she does say that like she heals people and then football players are like um recognize that how much they can hurt the other player that's what i took at least that's what she really didn't like about it Right. And then he he kind of slips up. He's like, uh, what part of David's body was injured? She's like, I didn't tell you my husband's name was David. And I was like, that's kind of a big mistake for a supervillain. And then you're like, oh, did he do this on purpose? Because then he just goes into like, hey, this is what I think. And she is like, I do not like that. (laughs) I don't I don't agree with anything you just said. Um, Also, in the in the in the moment, though. I'm surprised she caught it. I don't think a lot of people would catch that, you know. Or at least she catch it. She caught it so fast. She wasn't like, well, you know, David hurt his leg. Wait, no, she was just like, hold up, I, I didn't tell I mean, you. I mean, that could just be explained as like a, you know, she probably doesn't tell her clients about her family, right? She probably keeps that separate. So she's like, I don't ever say his name here. I mean, also they're estranged, right? So she doesn't talk about him that much. So That's it's true. probably easy for her to be like, I wouldn't have fucking said that. Um, as this scene is happening, we have the scene where Bruce Willis is trying to like hone his abilities. Yeah. But what I think is interesting about this and maybe like, I don't know if it's a flaw in the movie, but he sees the guy pull drugs out of a trash can and then he checks the guy and the guy doesn't have them, mm-hmm. which by the way, that was M. Night Shyamalan. I know. I saw it and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's M. Night Shyamalan, but maybe I'm just being like, I don't know. Maybe I should look that up before I guess. But um, it looked like a very young M. Night Shyamalan, which this is like over 20 years ago at this point. Um, but I thought it was weird that he didn't find the drugs. And I was like, well, maybe he's already sold it, you know, because Bruce Willis is like, I see the bad things people do. So he's like, I saw him do this bad thing, but he already moved that weight like throughout the stadium. So maybe that's why I didn't find it. Right. Or also, uh, as as Taylor said, watching this, she goes, he already put it up his ass. That's true. That's true. We didn't see him do that in the bathroom. He put it in the pocket, but maybe he's like, you know what? Better in the old nature's pocket. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis's premonition ends, but then M. Night Shyamalan doubles back into the stall. That's what happens. Um, next Bruce Willis gets called to go to the school and it's because his son only wants him to get called. And I don't know if this kid is a good kid actor, but when the other fat little kid next to him says, I bet my dad could beat up your dad. The look he gives him is so funny to me. I think he's a good actor. I think he is. I think, I think you can't ask too much from child stars. Just, you know, some you can, you know, who was amazing. This is getting off track just a bit, but amazing 
and she just kind of fell off was Dakota Fanning. But she still does stuff. You think of Elle Fanning, her sister. I'm literally looking at a picture of Elle Fanning because there's an ad for the girl from Plainville on IMDb as I have all the names of the characters up. That's but funny. no, Dakota Fanning still does stuff. But she's... Okay, I might get... People might get mad for me saying this, but she is not as good as she was when she was little. I think. Like, um, War of the Worlds, Man on Fire. Oh, that's like peak child acting right there. Yeah, I mean, that's why she was getting put in everything. Push? Did you ever see Push? I've never seen Push. Oh, man, we're doing Push. Talk about another, like, superhero movie that's, like, not a standard superhero movie uh back to it so he the the lady is then like talking to him about her son about his son like oh and you're like you know you're the kid you don't recognize me he's like what the fuck are you talking about she's like you almost died and we like the kids tell stories about you about how you were at the bottom of the pool for five minutes and a dead guy was you know a dead kid was pulled out and then she even says, are you still phobic of water? And I love too, like the way that scene, you know, you, this is one of the more simple shots like you were talking about where it's just on him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go back and forth because it's like the focus is on this character, not on this side character who's like eliciting information or giving information on our superhero. But that's actually reversed. I can't remember if it's earlier on or later on where him and his wife are talking through like a, a cracked door. That was before, and, yeah. Yeah, and it just stays on her. The entire time it stays on her. Um, the other cool shot that I wanted to talk about that we glossed over real quick was the overhead shot when he grabs the gun out of the closet. Yeah, that's a cool shot too. Well, the other shot, the way that he rotates the... Um when he's in the wheelchair in the comic book store and the way that he rotates the comic book and the camera follows it. Yeah. And then like, as he stops the, the camera keeps going so that it sees it right side up to see what it's saying. Um, Just talking and, about shots here. And that's our cinematography section for this podcast. So next his son pulls a gun on him. I love the way this scene is staged too. It's like the mom and dad are talking and then one of them looks over and it's almost like, one of them notices it and then the camera's like, oh, wait, what did they notice? And then the camera shows it to you. Yeah. And then the I think the scene is really well done as far as like the way he convinces him. He's like, you know what, Joe, you are right. But if you shoot me, I'm going to fucking leave. And so, so funny. He's like, because friends don't shoot, e- shoot each other, right? And the mom's like, yes, no shooting friends, Joseph. <laughs> I also thought a really sweet moment in that conversation was where he is like, I'm going to leave for New York. If you shoot me, I'm going to leave for New York. I'm going to go right upstairs. I'm going to leave. I'm going to pack my bags and leave. And then the kid's like, why? Why would you leave? <laughs> and then he's like, because I thought we were going to become friends. You know, we were actually really becoming friends. And then you're just going to shoot me. But his connection with his son is a huge part of this movie, I think. You know, it is, too. And it's like we don't understand. I, You know, it's a good and bad thing of like you know, when movies leave stuff out because it leaves you wanting rather than over explaining stuff that maybe doesn't matter. But I'm like, what did happen to this family? Because it's like the mom and dad, obviously, they just have some issue that they correct throughout the movie. But why is he not close with his son? Like, 
And I guess it has to do with this overarching sadness of like not having his purpose. You know, he doesn't know what his purpose in life is. And then he's, that's in finding his purpose. He's also finding a relationship with them. It's, I guess, like the Dr. Phil answer to that. <laughs> so after he does convince him to put down the gun, I love how the, all the family one by one collapses to the floor. Uh, first the mom, then the son, and then Bruce Willis. And then they all like cry. And sh- I was like, yeah, dude, that's intense. <laughs> intense indeed. Um, and then after this, he goes to talk to um, Elijah Samuel Jackson, because he's basically like, this needs to fucking stop. He's like, you know, my son pulled a gun on me. He's like, I never told you you were immortal. <laughs> like, you, you can die, which I, I did have the question of like, what would have happened if he was shot, right? Would, you know, because if, well, how was a bullet any different than like a train traveling at max speed and derailing and like shit hitting into you, right? What's the difference? So would a, like, would a bullet have bounced off of him? And I like that it's like, we don't get to know. I like yeah. that's one thing that I'm glad is left up to us to like, would it have? Because once again, these are not, it's like a, it's a, he's a superhero, but it's not like the exaggerated comic book version that we see. So I, I just think that works really well with this. Um, but then he tells him, he's like, I was sick. I was in the hospital. I'm not who you think I am. Stay away from me. You know, thinking about this as like an under-exaggerated superhero comic book story, when you bring the movie Split into the equation and you're like, okay, so if Glass thinks that he's this villain because he has this ailment and Bruce is this hero because he has this like power, it's weird taking split now thinking about it. I've never seen it. I know what it's about more or less being like, Oh, this mental illness is a power, but it makes that dude a villain. Yeah. Right. Well, and then like one of his personalities is a villain. One of his, you know, some of them are not as bad or whatever, but one Um, is like an all out, like when he goes into this one, secret personality he develops like superhuman strength right um have you seen split i have not nor have i seen glass after it i need to though yeah we we do we do need to if this episode does well we'll do the trilogy um i we talked i talked a little bit about the comic book scene but i love the the guy who's uh just like if you're jerking off to the japanese comics back there i'm gonna kick your ass then he notices he's in a wheelchair which is weird because you don't notice a dude in a wheelchair coming into your comic book store and not leaving but you don't know who this guy is in the back i don't know whatever yeah and then he like keeps knocking shit over the guy's like i'm gonna call the cops and he gets this one comic which basically unlocks the secret for him and he's like how much for this one? And the dude just looks up. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> I like him surprised he sold it to him. Why did that one comic unlock what for him? Oh, he explains it in the phone call that you didn't like. But basically, he's like in that comic, this league of like bad guys goes and discovers the weakness, the kryptonite for every single good guy. And then tries to just, you know, kill each one of them. And so it came to his mind like water is your weakness and it's the same for me 
And it kind of makes sense too that, you know, Samuel Jackson, because he's not an active person, probably didn't do like a lot of swimming, right? He, you know, he mostly stayed inside and he ran over to the park to get comic books. So like when he's like, I have a problem with water too. I never had the crazy thing you happened, like that happened to you where you drowned for five minutes and almost died. But like, I have kind of the same issue. Um, so that's like all what that was. You know, the more you talk about it, the more I'm thinking if his bones are really that fragile, but they don't break with him just moving them in like air, right? Would the pressure of like the thickness of the water trying to like swim be enough force to break his bones? No, because it's all around him. So it's just equal pressure everywhere on him. So no, it wouldn't break his bones. But it's still denser than air, which is what he's used to, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and it's not going to crush him, the weight of it all around him. <laughs> no, no, um, no, 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 but him Maybe swimming? if he went deep. Yeah, maybe. Maybe if he went maybe. a few feet deep. Uh, I'm just trying to make a logical sense of the whole water thing, because it's like, it's a cool concept, and I like the movie, but I just find that part kind of dumb. But I'm trying not to. I'm trying to better myself. You didn't like the water here, but you like the water in science. <laughs> I did like the water in science. I like Lady in the Water. I think it's a fine movie. You like Lady in the... Are you being sarcastic now? No, I liked it. I mean, it's not his best. The worst movie I've ever seen, perhaps, is The Happening, though. Oh, shit. I forgot that was even him. It was so bad. Everything about it was so bad. Also, weird actors that have no chemistry is marky mark and zoe de chanel it wasn't john leguizamo in it for a little bit too maybe am i I misremembering that no no no. you i think you're right and then the french people getting killed by the trees they would have like surrendered to the trees way before they actually got killed by them so he goes to the train yard this is why we don't have a demographic of listeners (laughs) in france okay probably uh, so he goes to look at the trains that are all in this like building from, you know, they've pulled them up and are setting them crime scene forensic bullshit. Um, and he flashbacks to the car accident. And like this kind of shows his strength to him, like ripping the car door off. That was pretty awesome. It was like the way the music is set. And then the guy comes up to him. He's like, how is she? And she's like, oh, she got a broken leg. Are you hurt, man? Hey, answer me. Are you hurt? And like you can see it in his face, like this is my chance. The I guess it has to be like an actor with prosthetics. Like I was really expecting just Joseph Gordon-Levitt to be there, right? See what I did there, Looper. Um, no, but I, whoever they chose to play a young uh, Bruce Willis, they did a really good job. Like you can tell that maybe it was a little CGI, a little prosthetic. That was fucking Bruce Willis. With no, the, it no, it was Yes, it was. That was it Bruce was, Willis. <laughs> There was no no one else. It was Bruce Willis with like de-aging. It was just a toupee and maybe some No, makeup. no, no, no. It was not just a toupee. It was like a it was either Bruce Willis with like major de-aging CGI, or it was a complete different actor with like some sort of prosthetic or CGI that made him look more like Bruce Willis. Yeah, no, I I gotta tell you, no, it wasn't. You look it up? Well, so there was a young Audrey who played, you know, his wife. Oh, my God. There it was. I literally thought it was Bruce Willis. No, it is. Davis Duffield. 
Huh. That's crazy. I was right. You were wrong. Nah, 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 nah. This is blowing my mind. So Davis Duffield himself doesn't look anything like Bruce Willis, but I think it's him plus, like I said, either prosthetics or CGI to like give him the chin and the nose, maybe, you know? Just blown away here. Blown away. What do you, what do you got to say? What do you got to say? So after this, he calls Elijah and he's like, I wasn't injured. I've never been injured. Um, and Elijah's like, you need, this from this point towards the end is just all, like all of it's awesome to me. It's super mm-hmm. fucking dark, obviously. Um, and like haunting. And this part kind of reminds me of the way the sixth sense was kind of haunting, especially like that. The little oh, you haven't seen it. So um, but he's like, go to where people are. It shouldn't take long. And he's like, hey, this this part isn't going to be like a comic book. Um, and it's a great resolution to the movie before we get to the twist. Like I said, like this is a very satisfying ending to me. And so first he runs into the woman who stole the necklace and he's like, nah, kind of small potatoes. Then the the racist guy, and he's like, well, that's kind of that's pretty bad. He tells like the black people to go back to Africa. He's like, maybe, maybe I can find worse, right? And then like the the date rape, like the rapist. The rapist is, like, is awful. Awful. Like Just I was fucking awful. I was kind of laughing at myself because it was like rapist? Nah. <laughs> Let him slide. I'm like, no, dude. Like beat the shit out of him or something well and it felt like he you know he starts backing up right because he's just like holy shit all these people are so bad right like just just random woman just stole like thousands of dollars this dude who looks like a racist is in fact a racist you know what this tells me never go to fucking new york <laughs> was that and i think this was like philly Really? He the he was in Pennsylvania. They talk about Temple University, which is in Pennsylvania. Um, the actual stadium was in was the University of Penn, so um, that he like worked at in real life. Mm. So yeah, this was like Philly area, I think. Okay. Maybe never but, go to Philadelphia. But so he's like backing up because he's just like, what the fuck? And then the most hot like sticks with you. I like your house. He's like, I'm sorry, what? I like your house. Can I come in? And it's like, dude, don't grab the screen door. Grab the other door and slam that. And like, what? Like, oh, and then just you see like the guy dead at the bottom of the stairs, which I was he beat to death or was he just thrown down the stairs? Or I took it that he was thrown down the stairs, break his neck, maybe. But yeah, yeah, that is like such a chilling, like haunting thing. So he just obviously starts following the dude. And for some reason, this guy is just an idiot and like does not realize that poncho guy is following you all the way through the back of your work, all the way to this home you stole. <laughs> this home you stole. I believe that's called a B&E, David. Um, it's called murder. Oh, <laughs> is that it? Is that it? Um Okay, a couple of things I have an issue with. First of all, did you notice that every bad person in this train station is wearing a very obnoxiously bright color? Yeah, yeah, I noticed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, second of all, 
who goes, murders someone, ties up the family, and then thinks, oh, I can't miss my shift. I was like, how long has he been here? The, the dad didn't look too like decomposed. So it seems like Bruce Willis caught this guy pretty quickly. But there was a lot of mail on the ground too. Yeah. So it's like, how did like, these are four people. It was this summer. So no one noticed the kids weren't in school. And like the dad who. It wasn't to- summer because his kid was in school when he was called on. Right. So like the, no one noticed. Does this guy answering the phone? He's like, um oh yes yes no they're going to be missing yeah that was like how long has he been there like someone would have noticed this and eventually they would have right so it's like it's not like bruce willis cracked this case but he did like save the two kids that those kids would have probably died prior to someone figuring it out really sad the mom died i thought she could have lived too but no well and we can talk about this now because we're about to get into the whole thing but like when bruce willis comes up behind the guy and he's like spitting water a beer at her i thought her eyes were open like i thought she was alive so then when bruce willis unties her i was like ah shit and she just falls over he's like ah fuck um but yeah bruce willis goes upstairs finds the kids and just like shut the fuck up it's so suspenseful him walking through the house but when he walks into the one room with the curtain this is like the coolest shot in the movie to me like just seeing the curtain float back and forth as you see bruce willis walk in and walk in he, for some reason, goes outside to check the deck. I don't know. And then the camera turns and the dude is just there. Yeah. Uh, so cool. And so he pushes him over the ledge. And when I first saw this, I was like, I didn't understand what happened. Like, I don't know if, like, I couldn't see it. I was like, what did he land on? And, oh, like, yeah. every other time since then, I was like, oh, it's the pool cover. Yeah. But I was just so confused. I thought, yeah, I like didn't know what was going. I thought it was almost like a not a dream sequence, but it was just like because of like the way water affects him, he was just like felt like he was being enveloped in the water. And then I was like, oh no, it's just a fucking pool cover. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you might not have known what a pool cover was when you first watched this movie. I mean, you were like 12, 13. 13? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Not not my finest moment. But be- thankfully he untied the kids and they save him from drowning and i love the like the her- heroic music uh, music when he stands up and yeah. he's like and when he goes in sneaks up behind the guy and puts him in the chokehold the camera work up from above on the chokehold and this bad guy has like superhuman strength because he is flinging him around into walls like trying to get him off his neck and he just chokes him to death and then does the old twist just to make sure he's dead um yeah you can't you, you can't forget the old twist but you're absolutely right i mean we have built up bruce willis's strength and invulnerability throughout this entire film why did it take so long to end this guy i i don't know i mean he's a he's he's a soldier villain right yeah in the next scene well in a scene or two later the mom explains uh elijah's mother explains like there's which for some reason she's she says what does she say she's like she says like oh he explained to me this and then he's like bruce was like i don't really understand and then she says the thing about the soldier villains and the brilliant evil arch enemy i was like 
that is completely unrelated to like what you said previously. Okay. Yes. And no, I see what you're saying. So what happened was, is that she goes something like, do you appreciate this work? It's one of blah, blah, blah artists finest. And he's like, Oh yeah, but you know, that's nice or whatever. And then she goes and explains how the artist gives the villains big eyes because it's like their skewed view of the world and soldier villains don't have that, but mastermind villains do. At least that's what my son tells me. And he goes, but he, he doesn't look like, oh yeah. Cause Bruce Willis goes, he doesn't look like the bad guy. He goes, you know what? That's what I said too. But my son tells me this. And then that's when he, that's when Bruce was like, oh, your son is Elijah. Right. And um, then it's this pan of, uh, of Bruce and his, the mom talking and Elijah is in the background and the shape of his head. You could just totally recognize his silhouette. Right. Uh, real quick, before we get to the, to the twist, he gets home from saving these kids takes his wife upstairs and I, you know, they talked earlier. She was like, when did you know that we were in trouble? And he's like, I had a bad dream and I didn't go to you about it and have you tell me everything was going to be okay. And he like goes into her room that she's been staying in, picks her up, takes her upstairs and just lays on her. And she's, he's like, I had a bad dream. And the next morning they're like having breakfast together when the, when the sun walks in, you, you think they did it? You think, you think they they did it the night before. They fucked. Oh yeah. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Uh, but this is the scene I was talking about earlier, kind of the sub- the subtlety of Bruce Willis, where he is sitting there with his son. His son has like kind of gotten over almost shooting his father. And then he kind of hands him the newspaper. And the son like looks at it and then starts tearing up and he kind of gives him this like shh, you know what I mean? Like. But just it's like this secret they have, right? Because his son has always like believed in him and believed in this whole superhero thing. And he's like, well, you're, you know, you're a little bit vindicated because yeah, I am a fucking superhero. Yeah. Congratulations. Your dad is awesome. I thought it was a great moment, especially when he told him to shush and he like wipes the tears away from his eyes real quick. And he's like, yeah, I I got you. I thought that was really, really a cool moment. Okay. So now we're in the comic book shop. Because this whole movie started with glass and now it has to end with glass, right? So we talked about him, Bruce Willis, meeting Elijah's mom. And he goes, I'll tell tell him that you're here. And he like takes him in the back. And we kind of already talked about this. But the big twist at the end of this movie is he touches, he shakes glass's hand, gets the premonition like he gets for all the bad people in this world. And he sees Glass is responsible. He's the mastermind behind the uh, plane exploding, the building, the hotel catching on fire, and then, alas, the derailment of the train. Right. And, you know, you were talking about Bruce Willis's acting in the scene before this, but his acting here, where he just looks absolutely horrified, I thought was really really well done it was no it was too i did have the question of why did he need to go to the airport to listen to the paint the plane exploding uh satisfaction 
satisfaction Satis- satisfaction holy shit that's that's interesting uh this needs to be cut it might be because the satisfaction of the whole thing but also we were shown a couple of bombs in his like workstation like someone had to plant those right so he had to be at the airport for that yeah but he could have left early right you know he just needed to hear on the news if someone survived also it's like how many people did you think you were going to kill before you're going to find a superhero like what percentage of the population do you think is made up of super which is kind of goes to show you that he's you know crazy right and he gets institutionalized at the end of this um I love his like his speech at the end as Bruce Willis is like completely just in shock and walking away and the music is building up and he's like the scariest thing is not knowing your place in the world and he's and Bruce Willis is like but you killed all those people he's like but I found you and he's like and now that we know who you are we know who I am you know I'm not a mistake and he's like in a comic, you know how you can tell who the arch villain is. He's the exact opposite of the hero. And most times they're friends like you and me. And I was like, you guys aren't friends anymore. <laughs> um, and then I, the iconic line, I should have known because of the kids. They called me Mr. Glass. Uh, as, so far, as far as villain names go, I, uh, I've heard better. I've heard better than Mr. Glass. Could you imagine if Batman comes up to Mr. Glass and he's like, they call me Mr. Glass. And he just like fucking takes, like hits him in the leg and breaks it. And he's like, oh shit, you are Mr. Glass. <laughs> um, I mean, Bruce Willis could end his life in one punch, but I guess that's the whole point, right? That he's better than that. So for that, you know, I, I think this movie has a really good themes to it. I think it has this like interconnecting network that works really well, but I think sometimes the logic isn't quite there, but again, it's kind of this fun little movie. So, so uh, in the train station when, or no, not in the train station in the stadium, when he bumps into the mom and little kid and it kind of, you hear like what sounds like child abuse. Uh Uh-huh. That child was supposed to be the James McAvoy character in Split. And that was his mom who I guess apparently uh, abused him. Oh. So he like had this connected from there or maybe he had that and thought like, oh, he may, he might have retrofitted the, the I thought that was afterwards. I thought that was a little girl. Just longer hair, a little bit longer. Um, and also this is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite films. So, okay. QT knows what he's talking about. Um, yeah, this kind of makes me want to watch split and glass now, which before this, I had absolutely no desire to watch either of them. The trailer for split freaked me out. And I was like, I don't think so. And then I heard about the connection and I was like, well, fuck, I wish I had watched it and not known about the connection because then it would have been satisfying to have watched it. And then that's probably why I haven't since. But I will. And then watch Glass. I heard Glass was like pretty good. Okay. Kind of. Oh, I, I heard it, it was bad. I heard Split was pretty good. Glass was bad. But I think I think I think I heard Glass was bad because Bruce Willis was starting to go through his. His whole movie 
thing where we didn't know why he was doing these movies or the way he was doing them. But now, you know, unfortunately, we do know why. Um, uh, but I, I heard it was just this, like, you really wanted him in there a lot, but he just wasn't in the movie a lot. Yeah, well, and there was potentially plans for another one, but obviously that can't happen, which is, you know, pretty sad. I mean, it's obviously just sad in general. You know, Bruce Willis going through that, but it, it's I, an easy fix, David. All you got to do is bring the kid back from Unbreakable as an adult that has these powers that his dad had. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I watched that movie. Not anything against the kid. I'm sure he's great in Animal Kingdom. Um, but just like I didn't watch any of the Fast and the Furious after Paul Walker died. You know, it's kind of like I don't know. It's not death, obviously, but it's kind of sad to see like the movie go on without the guy that made it great. So um, and then also we're going to do The Siege soon, which I don't think anyone would be like, hey, we got to do a Bruce Willis movie. Let's do The Siege. But I love The Siege. We're going to watch The Siege. I have absolutely zero idea of what that's about. It's got Denzel in it. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at us. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and I finally watched Unbreakable. He alive, damn it.